Troopers, today's podcast is in association with Inner Armour. Life-changing, positive psychology through post-traumatic growth. It is amazing. Check them out. Innerarmour.org. Just life-changing. Seriously is. World-beating. Groundbreaking. Fantastic. Also, this podcast is brought to you with Infusion CBD. Again, award-winning, life-changing CBD. Helps with all sorts of mental health issues. PTSD, depression, anxiety, sleeping disorders, eat disorders. Even with your aches and pains of your muscles and joints, you can get the CBD rub, which is what I use. And if you like coffee as well, fucking hell, they do a fantastic CBD coffee. Check them out at Infusion CBD. Now, today, we have got the great and powerful Alistair McGregor, the CEO, founder, creator, and overall legend of Inner Armour. This is the part two that I've been banging on about for weeks. After doing the Inner Armour course itself, this is basically us going through it uh, with fucking even more content than you could possibly imagine. At points during this, I do get emotional and so does Al. And it just proves how raw and real the podcast is. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy part two with Al McGregor. Inner Armour. Welcome to the Granite Zero podcast. Mr. McGregor, welcome back. Evening, evening all. Evening all. Beautiful Beautiful evening. Beautiful, rainy evening that I've got. I'm getting soaked in the shed because of the stupid... It's very apt, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) wet, cold, dark. Like, yeah. That's what we want. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, last time... Dude, last time we talked, you, you hadn't... Nothing. You hadn't... I hadn't been through once. anything. Well, we did the 45. Wow. And, yeah. And that was a, an opening of how you would say Pandora's box, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but Massive. I love what you said when you were like, yeah, he opened me up like a packet of crisps. <laughs> yeah. I never heard. And it really? sounds so bad. People listening must be like, oh my goodness, that sounds terrible. Oh. Like, no, no, no. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah, yeah. 100% in a good way. Like, I remember when I went through, when I did a little bit of um, therapy, me being, well, 
one, it was too expensive. It was fucking expensive, mm. really expensive. So I couldn't keep going back because I just couldn't. But um, even when I went into therapy and I sat down, she like just asked me a couple of like just bog standard questions. And she was like, I can already see you're welling up. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, you don't normally talk about this stuff. I was like, no. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was like the beginning, beginning of the soul searching, if you like. Yeah, it, um, it's really interesting in, the, in um, Chris's video. So Chris, the Lieutenant Colonel, or retired Lieutenant Colonel. Um, and it really kind of hit me when he kind of said about how at his level, and particularly, I think it's true of all kind of military people, is he spent the first half hour of his session trying to explain to the kind of civilian therapist what the deal was, what the words meant, how it kind of happened. Yeah, and then yeah. um, I think he, she came back and said, look, you're really dominating presence. And he said, you know, well, you know, I was given the mission to dominate South Iraq, you know, so I find your office pretty <laughs> yeah. easy. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he's like, they didn't get the joke and stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is... They, they don't get those sort yeah. of jokes. And I could see it in a, in a, when, when I went through my therapy. I sat there and I was like, I was 21 years old and I had to step out into the Iraqi desert each day thinking that I might get blown up. And her words were, you're saying that really coolly, like, mm. like it's not a big thing. And then I, I literally, without even thinking, I was like, well, it wasn't a big thing. It was my job. And she was like, well, that's not normal. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then when you, it's not until you then are a, a civilian like I am now and you think back and you go, no, that, that's not normal. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think we can ever understand. I think um, you know, and I include me in that hugely. Um, and I often kind of make quite light of it and kind of say, look, you know, I don't want to understand. You know, you guys are like whatever. Um, yeah. A part of me really wants to. I think you know, so many people are drawn to that excitement and drawn to that. You know, you play as a child, don't you? you play soldiers you're like, oh yeah, wow, what must it be like? And it's so exciting. And um, and then, you know, the, the people who come back and stuff then tell you stories of how dark it is and some of the horrible stuff. And I'm sure, you know, you got it. But like whenever you kind of cross the military at parties or dinner parties or house parties or whatever, you know, it's like, what's the worst thing you saw? You know, tell me the worst it's thing. The, you saw. That's always the have, main yeah. question. Uh, have I you even, killed anyone? Oh my I, God. Had it, yeah. I had it at work um, a few weeks back. Um, it was a, a sort of a new guy that we're taking through training. And he was like, Tomo, you were you were in the uh, military, weren't you? I was like, yeah, I, I did a did a few tours, like just like, yeah, I did a few tours, you know, brush it off my shoulder. And uh, <laughs> he was like, how many people did you kill? And I was like, I'm not going to answer that question. Like, yeah. even if I had killed anyone, or even if I haven't, you don't ask a soldier that sort of question because it, you you don't know what that could open up. Like, you, yeah. I may, for example. I may have killed someone and it may have been a wrongful killing, if that makes sense. I might have thought yeah. I was in the right, but it turned out it was a civilian that didn't need to be. And it's like, oh, shit. And that could have opened up a whole can of worms, which is one of those um, things. I think it's uh, the USMC that say, uh, don't ask, don't tell. It's like, mm. you don't ask me because I'm not going to tell you anyway. It's, it's yeah. like an unwritten rule sort of thing. I think... Um... And we've just, I mean, since we, since you finished the course and since we last spoke, 
Um, it sat through the International Resi Police Resilience Conference. Um, it sounds quite negative, it? it was interesting. Um, some really, really good speakers. Uh, but it's consistently, consistently, <laughs> consistently, the same kind of theme kept coming up of, it's your responsibility to look after your own resilience. And kind of, as you know, you know, my kind of whole take on this is, that's fine if you know what's going on upstairs in your own head. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think we do. I mean, it, you know, I don't. Um, and I rely on the people closest to me to let me know when something's not quite right, you know, and there's early warning signs. And then, you know, as, as you know, you know, our whole approach is to train the person to the left and train the people around the person to kind of to come in and be able to intervene and really help um, before you even know what's going on. Um, and I was being reflecting on it a lot. And actually, it's not, I don't think it's the inner armor's ground. I think, you know, we've been described as groundbreaking, which is fantastic and stuff. But um, I think it's just mirroring evolution and mirroring kind of, you know, you wouldn't go out into extreme heat, extreme cold on your own. You just wouldn't do that. Like, you know, you go in a team or a pack or a family or a, a group or, you know, it's, we band together. That's kind of what we do. And I think, um, the modern society piece is way more important from the kind of academic research I've done and the things that I've kind of seen, you know, bubbling up on social media. Um, and this coming back into this lonely society where actually everyone is completely isolated and technology has become this imposter for connection. And I remember the Lego model you made and you, you know, I'd say, and you're going to have to explain this. To yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> what Lego, what um, the Lego, <laughs> the way you, where you built, your shed you. you built the shed and you built the kind of luminous yellow antenna almost yes and, um the post i put today on linkedin i don't know if you've seen it yet but um i really see i really see you and this as that in that you know it's a real beacon in the dark you know for kind of people and, and you, but you can link that almost to you know like the kind of the idea in sweden you know when they put lights out in the houses when it's minus 40 outside yeah. and actually the idea of turning someone away from your house is just not done you just don't do that if someone arrives at your house two in the morning four in the morning whatever the condition human to human you let them in because it's minus 40 you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they're gonna die you know and i think um you know when was the last time we kind of we opened our ourselves our homes our to help someone to do something you know like i said you know there's always a kind of section on the shelf for like self-help but not really for help others and I think what the military have got right and military veterans particularly have right is they look after each other yeah. and to kind of, and to capitalize on that and to psychology to kind of build on that rather than fight against it and say, no, no, you've got to stop what you're doing, leave the service, call someone up and go and get someone. You know, I, I can count in one hand, I can count on one hand, people of civilian friends who've gone to a psychologist, an actual psychologist to sort out a problem they're already that scared. So it's just not a winnable battle, I think, for uh, police, for military, for people who've kind of seen such tough stuff. So take the kit and the stuff to them, you yeah. know, and sit and see it work. And then to kind of like with your group, to watch that work across so many services and so many ranks. Um, but I'm gonna shut it now, cause you gotta tell the story. This is about, you know, this is this part two. This is, this is how was two. it for you? Yeah. It was, one of the greatest experiences I've actually ever done. And that's not me just saying it because you're on, on the show. Now, wow. the reason why I say that is because obviously we touched on it on the last one, how I had my lack of pride was my main sort of issue, as it were. And 
going on the on the course talking to the the lads that were on there with us it was it was like no tomo you've got fucking loads to be proud of mm. and i think i mentioned it on um on one of the little open speaking bits that we did and i was like i've always said life i've completed it i've got a wife two beautiful kids a house mortgage good job and i've now got mm this incredible podcast. So in theory, I've completed it. I don't need to do any more. So, mm. but I never, every time I said it, I would say it as in, in jest. He was never, I didn't believe it, but now I'm starting okay. to believe and, and get that, that pride back. Even, even at work, I'm starting to feel a bit happier at work knowing that I've got, I've got a fucking job at the end of the day. How many people don't have jobs <laughs> at the minute? You know, yeah. I, even if it is 12 hours of boring, mundane shit and and what have you, it doesn't matter. I've got a job and I've got this. And mm. it's just incredible. And just being being around those, those, those guys, like, at that time, obviously, we're all civilians. I think some of them were still serving. Um, mm-hmm. But all ranks, like, colonels, fucking... Lance Corporals, Corporals, it's like you don't tend to have all those people just open up at once. No. And it just seemed to, it just seemed like everybody trusted the person, to, like, like you were saying, everyone was trusting the person to their left with yeah. all these issues or, or problems or, or whatever it was that they had. And oh, I'm, I, I can admit, I fucking burst into tears on one of them trying to, mm. talking about my, um, my journey through um getting the podcast meeting yourself and then onto the course i was i was a took me a while to get get me words out but that was a good thing because normally i would have just not spoke i would have just head down and just nah but i knew that I, i was comfortable with with the blokes there i felt comfortable sharing any of the issues that i have going on and i knew that those guys are like-minded like myself and then are not going to judge. They're not going to judge me for not seeing the same amount as the, the, the copper that was part of the counter-terrorism unit. Everybody's different. And it's as though yeah. that everybody knew that everybody's brain is unique. Yeah, there was, yeah, there was, yeah, hugely. I mean, I think for kind of, yeah, top of my head, fill in the blanks if you can. Like, so for, for people who are listening and stuff, we had... Uh, kind of protecting them. the two active mm. we had active people from the Royal Marines yeah uh, the major from the Royal Marines and um, um, Lance Corporal from the Royal Marines who can't be named and kind of were part of that but um, we had yeah the kind of lieutenant colonel from the army who'd finished and you know had led led the invasion to southern Iraq which I mean I can't even begin to get my head around that I mean like you know I've taught a lot of classes in my time and not even in your armor I'm talking like you know 12 yeah. year olds on a Wednesday MBE afternoon. as well by the way yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> MBE, yeah. No, no worries, Al. Off you go. Treat yourself. Um, so we had him, and then next to him was, you know, the head of counterterrorism during the 7-7 attacks. The, uh... Next to him, we had, you know, the RAF guy who, it was his last day on the first day of the course. Yes, it was, yeah. And he'd come, he'd come specially. He and like, and... Same regiment as me, RAF Reg. Wow, yeah. Um, uh, who else? Who else do we have? There was, and yeah, there was some, a couple of the army, a couple of the like um, corporals from the army. Um, 
so yeah so it, it was the it was cross mix rank bunch, mix but it was good yeah and this and bunch, yeah and this it was it was i mean um i kind of think what might be funny is almost kind of going chronologically and kind of let's let's take you know people who are listening and stuff what's it's okay so what's it like you know get this a lot and go oh, what is it like going through the course i'm like it will turn you inside out and back to oh. front like it's like, like I not, said while we were yeah. chatting just before we hit record. My missus literally mm. asked me, how did it go? And I went, I feel like I've been away for a month. Mm. And she was like, what, in a bad way? I was like, no, no, in a, in a, in a good way. Like mentally, it, it drained me. Like, yeah. But again, I'm not a negative way at all, in a, in a positive way. <laughs> like, yeah. I couldn't shut up, but like my sentences weren't really making much sense. <laughs> yeah. No, hugely. I think, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go from the start. So you're, you're on the train heading down. Um, and then I picked it, I picked you up, didn't I? Yeah. Um, you picked me drove up you to the ho- from Slough. Drove to a hotel. A oh, certain hotel. hotel. The greatest yeah. hotel <laughs> in the world. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, for kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of quite proud Five star, apparently. At, five star hotel. Or was it four? Apparently four so, yeah. five. Uh, 0.4, maybe. Yeah. Um, and um, but there's something really interesting happened. It, it was shocking, basically. It was proper shocking. Um, and everything that kind of could have gone wrong did go wrong. And all that kind of stuff. hours, but real life. Oh, completely, yeah. Um, cold showers, everything. But we all agreed i don't think there's anyone who didn't agree that it was unintentional and it really was um and i wasn't very happy about it at the time however it added to the course i think massively because people were not only highly nervous about opening up in front of other people and oh, all yeah, that yeah. stuff but then were actually genuinely uncomfortable you know in the, <laughs> and um and as it was a kind of this is a very special course you know um, in that it was being pressure tested by um one of the one of the world's best leading professors um so my nerves were sky high you know and i've kind of i've read the preliminary report and stuff and it's it's really good and it's positive but um there's a whole bunch of tweaks and things that I'm, i can now do that are better but I, so i was you know everyone was on heat everyone was a bit yeah, yeah. you know which worked really well and you know so we ended up you know sitting in a circle and um i remember you, you know we were sitting in a circle it was highly everyone was sussing each other out and figuring out what's going on and stuff. And I was using some kind of positive psychology stuff um, gently on everybody. And it was kind of, it was beginning to gel. But I remember looking at you and you're kind of, you're on your phone and you're kind of like, I was like, I think he can't quite get his head around the different rank structure and what's about to happen here. And I'm really interested. What was going through your head that first night? It, li- you it like, literally was that. It was like, as we, as we discovered, which a lot of people don't, believe or don't realize and i and you were the one that basically discovered it you might want to say i semi knew but i always said it as a joke and nobody believed me um that i'm i'm naturally introvert like i'm not the greatest speaker with people i don't know which people go mate you do a fucking podcast what the fuck you want about but no yeah, 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 yeah everyone was crazy wasn't they but then actually it is just you yeah, I mean, it literally it's you sitting in your chair. It's actually not real people, you know. Exactly, you're safe and exactly. Like, I, I, it's kind of all it's different. Yeah. So, um, and then obviously you throw in the mix. You've got these people coming in with <laughs> just taking the piss slightly here, posh mm. accents and things like that. So you're automatically in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah. these are these are officers. They're not going to understand me anyway. Um, then there's Marines and and other army units, and I'm thinking, 
fucking hell, I'm going to get some shit because I was in the RAF Reg. I can't really be dealing with that this weekend. Marines can be quite arrogant. They do my fucking head in. And then I was like, the only person I really know and I've only spoke to him once was Al. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm just going to, if someone talks to me, I'll talk back. But most of the time I'll just be flicking through Instagram or something and, and using that as like, um, like a comfort blanket. Yeah. It's very honest. And that, as we all do, I think, yeah, dude, yeah. I think as we all do, I think when it gets uncomfortable, you know, anyone kind of, when we're all struggling and we kind of, out comes the phone and we're like, oh God, uh, you know, bam. Yeah, it's one of those, don't yeah. talk to me, I'm looking, I'm, I'm replying to a text, don't look at me, don't even talk to me. You do it on a train, obviously, or you mm -hmm. put your headphones in. I thought it'd be too rude if I put my fucking headphones up and just sat, sat there <laughs> drinking a fucking beer. But, yeah. Yeah, but a couple of beers in, you know, people are actually making decent conversation. Like, mm. and as as every fucking squaddy knows, there's no there's no rank at the bar anyway. So, yeah, you can be you can be a bit more open. So yeah, the conversations were flying. The the shit food came out, but it was gourmet, <laughs> gourmet food. Um, of course it was. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. and and it. it you know, knowing that I've I've got the PTSD and and depression and anxiety, that in the back of my head was sort of niggling. It was like you wait until tomorrow when you have to tell your story. You're gonna like in my head, you're you're gonna fucking cry. You're gonna look like a fucking those negative mm. thoughts like coming back in. You're gonna look like a right yeah, pussy. Yeah. It's like oh fucking hell. And to be fair, my room was all right, so I actually slept good the first night. <laughs> Until they kicked you out the second night. Oh, we we got to get over this. Honestly, everyone's going to get so annoyed with this. Um, but yeah, and then so yeah, then everyone had to sleep. And what was your kind of first thought when you woke up and realised what was about to happen? Because I think I would want to go home I, if I was in that position. I was actually and I didn't know what was coming. I actually had those sort of excited, anxious feeling in in my stomach. It was like. I want to know what this is about because I've been talking about it so long. I had um, yourself on previously and uh, another member or former member of Inner Armour on. So I knew what it was about, but I wanted to feel it. I wanted to do it. Mm. So I was excited for that. The thing that I was like nervous about for a start, building the fucking Lego because I know I'm, I'm no fucking creative mind at all um but then obviously when you explained all that that if if you look at something and it's a duck it's a duck that sort of thing um yeah even if it's a we'll if get, it's a red brick with a green yeah, bush yeah. on it it's still a duck you yeah, know we'll, get, yeah. we'll probably get into that so it was um yeah it was it was a good feeling because i knew what i was going into was learning and developing what i call my fucking batman tool belt so I've already got yeah. a life coaching uh, diploma. I've got the depression awareness diploma. And I was like, they're good, but I could do more. And yeah. I was <laughs> I was excited, but I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> what, a good, what a good phrase. It's, um, yeah, I think, you know, the kind of, the whole thing centers around this 28 question methodology. Um, which is a power tool, you know, it's, it's incredibly powerful, but to even, 
to even get your head around using it properly, you've got to get that kind of paradigm of, you know, it's not you as a resilient person. This is you using this power tool to help someone you love or you care about and, you know, you'll save them. And the kind of the benefit is that as the circle completes, they'll use it on you when you need it. And you may only ever need it once in your life. I think kind of this, it's a misunderstanding I get. People kind of finish the course, you know, particularly in the States. It's like, right, let's use this as many times as possible and as many people and I want to save as many people, which I understand because it feels so good when you help people. Um, but yeah, it can be once in your life. And then some people kind of come and want it once a day for six yeah. months while they're going through something really tough. Um, yeah, but it's, it's powerful stuff. It's very, very powerful stuff and surrounded by disclaimers and kind of legal stuff. And, yeah, um, of course. Which can be which can be a bit scary at first, but then kind of actually, I think it. Oh, I'm asked the question. You know, did you feel reassured by how much kind of it was locked down? It was legal stuff, and this was all yeah, 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 yeah. tested, and it was okay. It wasn't yeah. just you know Al's circus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it wasn't just Al's you know, twenty-eight questions. Hey guys, go. try this out. Let's go down some rabbit holes. Um, the, did you feel the, safe? Did you feel the, safe throughout? Yeah, the yeah, I did, and. Good. The reason why I was I felt safe and the reason why I knew it was going to be so good, and this is to blow a little bit of smoke up your ass as well, is how passionate <laughs> you are about inner armor and how it works. And mm. you can see it when you when you were up uh, giving us you can call it a lecture or a chat or whatever you want to call it. When you were up yeah. and you were talking to us, you could see and you're like oh, this fucking work. Look at this guy. He fucking knows. <laughs> Look at that beard. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it, honestly, it was fucking brilliant. And as soon as we got down to it, and I think the one bit that really stuck out in my mind was when we were going through the bit about the New Zealand rugby team. Yeah. And how they then used a similar version to get them through because obviously they got smashed didn't they in that in that rugby world cup and got yeah ripped apart for it and now look at them they're fucking <laughs> unreal. yeah i'll kind of i'll fill people in a bit it's um they hired a guy called kiri dr kiri something and um yeah so the kind of rugby fans out there and stuff you know the all blacks getting beat and then not you know they once you know said to richie mccaw you know you're the number one team in the world but you've never won a world cup and you can't argue with that and he had you know it for a warrior nation the maori tribal warrior kind of whole spirit it hit them so hard and it turned out the answer was vulnerability and it just everyone kind of just got what what and this doctor said, and it's something kind of I've blatantly lifted and stolen from them. So I just stop stealing now and just play the video and let them do it and then go, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're nicking this. Um, is how, you know, there's huge movements around the world for wellness and happiness and being comfortable. And maybe we're going in completely the wrong direction here because to get, you know, those scars. I mean, you mentioned before, you know, I've done, what, what did you do in the military? I did a few tours you know and, and not fun rock star tours you know these, these oh, no, are tours no. and they're and, <laughs> and you, but you wear them they i mean ironically they're worn with pride you know nobody's going to give you a medal for doing something comfortable no one's going to give you a medal for doing something happy and no one's going to give you a medal for doing something about well-being or niceness you get medals for going into the dark and kind of doing something usually up against you know the elements the full force of either evil or um corruption or that kind of, kind of stuff 
Um, and I think he's right. I think the kind of, you know, this idea that we should meditate and become more comfortable and become more well and, and become more resilient. I think, you know, we're not resilient. I just, I mean, like, I mean, I've kind of just said it when I was going to say, I'm going to go on record and say it, but I just kind of have, but it's, it's, <laughs> it grinds my gears because I think kind of, we're not like, I mean, I'll kind of expand in a bit more detail. Like, so cops, for example, cops have to be resilient. I understand. I understand, you know, you can't, go to kind of work as a kind of police person and not be resilient and you build resilience and there's a huge amount of evidence and i do understand that and i think that's that's important i'm not taking anything away from that what i'm think i'm underlining and i think maybe highlighting or illuminating is the fact we've missed the point are we are a bag of flesh and blood yeah you know we don't we don't have i don't think i said this last time we don't have this exoskeleton we don't have this other stuff all we've got is each other you know, and yes, we've got our phones and we're connected and we're all that kind of other stuff. But like, if you haven't got your buddy, male, female, wife, husband, whatever, backing you up, you're in trouble. You know, we're not designed, like life's out to get you. You know, you, 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 you can look at it as, you know, from the moment you're born, you start dying. Yeah, you grow, but you, the clock's ticking. Yeah, add into that, you know, the other stuff that's trying to get you in disease and all the other stuff. It's a really bleak kind of picture. It is, actually, yeah. Um, yeah, the big to me, the biggest happiness and the biggest pride and the biggest, you know, awesomeness comes from the dark. Like, you know, if life really was happy all the time and everyone was great and it was all good and we won every war and, you know, nobody died and the rest of it, like, you know, it's it gets weird. You get into kind of the Black Mirror type stuff. Um, and I think show, by the way. so many people... Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but so, I think I'd say even thousands of the thousands of police and military that I've worked with, they seem to really understand that. And I think for me as a civilian, I gravitate towards that tribe. And it's you know it's always on the outside, you know, because it's not I'm never going to be one of those and stuff, um, which can be tough sometimes. But like the admiration I have when I look from the outside in, and I watch the real friendship. And the real, you know, that, you know, you're not going to, everyone upsets each other, everyone pisses each other off, you know. Oh, cool. Um, friends fall out. But there's something about particularly military friendships. Yeah, you don't let people go. Like, you hold and, on to them. You and, know? Uh, and I can obviously talk from experience with that. Um, talking about talking about tribes and, and, and friends that you have for life. So a lot of my close buddies, we went through basic training together. So a lot of us did the 29 weeks basic training. Then we went on to a thing called field gunners together, which is the next, I think six weeks worth of infantry training. And then the majority of us then went to the same field squadron, which was 15 squadron. During that period, we were then another six months worth of pre-deployment training. Then we did four and a half, five months on tour. Then we'd come back. You'd have a couple of weeks away with the missus and what have you. Then we'd ramp up again, six week, six months back into pre-deployment. And people say, "How? Like, we're all from all walks of life." There's a a lot of the friends that I have now. I probably wouldn't have had those friends if I if I was still back home in Hereford. Because yeah. then, when you first meet them, they're not they're not your type of person. But the yeah. fact that you spend day in day out for 29 weeks to start with followed by another six weeks followed by six months followed by another four months of deployment you're yeah. literally at some at points i remember being on top of a uh armored vehicle looking up at the stars with my best mate nick in in iraq literally for hours and hours and hours we were just talking and talking it's like i know mm. nick 
my best mate better than his wife knows him. And he knows me better than my yeah. wife knows me. And, and they're like, how, it's crazy that you guys seem to know each other so well. It's not, it's not. I spent 12 hours looking at a tree. What do you think we're going to talk about? Yeah. Um, I know what, I, yeah, go for it. I'm still in that. I'm still in that. And again, that inner, I'm like, permission to ask a question. I'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> uh, permission granted. Um, yeah, the kind of coaching mentality. But um, you know, like the sky in Iraq. What's what's the best thing about the sky in Iraq at night compared to the sky here? Do you know what? It is. It's Iraq and Afghanistan very similar. There's it. It's clear. Unless it's like a, a, a rainy day and and obviously the clouds are there. When it's completely clear night, it's freezing, mind, because when I went, it was uh, winter mm. tours, so it was like minus 10. Mm. But you'd look up and it was so bright, you could see literally every star, because there's no like... No pollution. There's no light pollution. Well, I don't know. Unless we were near the, near the airbase, then obviously there's a bit more light pollution from the airbase. But usually yeah. the airbase isn't quite as lit up as you would think it was because obviously rocket attacks but looking up you could literally see all the stars and it's one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen is that is the night sky mm. especially in the winter when it's cold as well i'm a bit of a freak like that i quite like the cold instead of the hot me too yeah me too i hear, I hear um, you but yeah it's it's, it's, that, it's, I mean, like, it's something else it's it like, is something else it's something that you know, I, I will take with me forever looking up at those stars. And I remember after I had a bit of a fallout with one of my mates on Christmas Day, we had a bit of a fucking Barney because it was like, who's on stag? Sort of shit argument. It was a shit argument. We all wanted to be at home for Christmas, but we weren't. <laughs> but we all made up. And I remember me, my mate Dan, and a, a, someone else, I can't remember. We literally... Out on the out on the what we would call the tesseral footprint, so making sure the planes could land. We were out there in our little harbour area. We had the vehicles. None none of the lights were on. We're all looking up. Stars were looking beautiful. It was like Christmas Eve going into Christmas morning. We all lit up a cigar, and it was just like this is <laughs> this is something else. This is something out of a movie. That's living. That's but that's that's living. At, you know, we talked about like living at naught and living at plus ten. Yeah, yeah. Like for that moment, you know. I mean, and you're in one of the deadliest places on the planet at that point. But you are, you know. I mean, uh, is is it an exaggeration to say pure happiness? Were you, were yeah, you, you could, yeah, purely you could happy say at that, that moment. And, and there's is another thing for you as well. It's like I can't remember. The, I can't remember if I said it or if it's a quote. But either way, it's pretty pretty fucking epic. Um, <laughs> but it's like. Amongst all the chaos, I've never been so peaceful. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Each and every day, you would go out, and in the possibility that you could like get injured or never come home, but you get these moments yeah. during all those periods where it's completely silent. Even if, even when it's like on, you're on stag. Everybody else will be asleep. There'll only be two of you up. Mm. One of you will walk around for a bit. Deadly silent. You can't hear a. You can't hear anything. You can hear the crickets, maybe, mosquitoes flying about, but the the stars are fucking out, completely quiet. And you're like, how is this a war zone? How am I in a war zone right now? This is the yeah. most at peace I've ever been. Yeah. And then the next day you get a fucking rocket attack. It's like, oh, 
<laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I think um, it, it reminds me genuinely like talking to the special forces in America and stuff. Um, and um, I was one of, I might have said this in the last one, I, I, I hope not. If you can listen to part two and you're like, you already said that, Al, I'm like, I'm really sorry, but whatever. Um, but um, I, remember th I remember thinking like, you know, they just get lectured at, you know, like, because in, in kind of in a good way, you know, like they kind of throw every company resilience thing, free voucher, like to try and help them, support them. But it rests on an assumption that there's been no good, you know, in Iraq, Afghanistan, they've seen nothing, nothing positive yeah, yeah. has happened in any way, shape or form. It's been death and destruction the whole time, all this kind of stuff. Um, and I kind of flipped my presentation and stuff and kind of and did it on the opposite and stuff. And you know, I didn't do it on the kind of sky. I'm just, you know, that was tonight as we were talking and thinking about it. But like, um, they were talking about some similar stuff and they were saying how, you know, it's, it's our defining nature. And I kind of, the Marines, you remember they, they were saying, you know, like what the worst you could do to Marine is train them up, get them ready to go and then not deploy them. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and leave them for years and years and years, not sending them to go do stuff. And you say, you know, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, their CV, their kind of, their badge of honor, but it's more than that. It's, it's actually people's identity. You know, it's kind of like being trained to do something and then not being able to do it. I mean, like nobody wants to do that. You don't want to learn how to snowboard and then never actually go on a mountain. Like what? Yeah. That's, um, it's, um, I don't know if that's a respectful a analogy. Good, uh, but, yeah, good... does that resonate with you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it definitely with uh, the, uh, pretty much the tours that I, I did. And it also coincides with, the book slash movie Jarhead as well. I know a few of my US Marine buddies will go, that's a terrible movie. It's actually not because it's so <laughs> close to real life. That's why they don't like yeah. it. Um, but it's like we were trained for the six months in pre-deployment for basically the worst case scenario. You get into contacts every day, you get blown up, yeah. you have to do this, this, and this. So you're in, like I've, I've, I've mentioned before, you're on that heightened state of, of readiness, of, of stress already. And then you get deployed and then nothing happens. And mm -hmm. my missus hates it when I say this, but you actually want something to happen. Yeah. You don't want anything bad to happen. You don't want someone to get hurt, but you would, you want that, that kinetic sort of firefight because that's what yeah. you've been trained for. That's what I was trained for throughout basic training, throughout pre-deployment. You're, you're mm. like, I'm ready now. If the Taliban or whoever are going to try and take a pop shot at me, we're going to roll him up and, and mm. fucking kill the fucker, basically. Mm. But then the fact that it's like, um, I'll take it back to the, the, the part of Jarhead. Right at the end, when the invasion's finished and he's standing there with his rifle and he goes, I never got to fire my rifle. And then he holds it up and fires in the air and then they all fucking let rip. It's, that's, you, you get to that point and you're like, I never got to fire my, my rifle in anger at all. I do have a funny wow. story about when I fired my pistol, though. That's, that's a good story. You know you have to tell it now. You can't say that and leave people on. <laughs> tell you what, I may me. have said it before yeah. on the podcast, but this, this story... Never, I didn't hear it. Come on. Come this on. fucking yeah, story never it. gets old. So this is my dad's favourite story. Every time we go out on the piss, he always goes, Hey, Sean, you're going to tell that story about the time where you fired your pistol? It's like, shut up, Dad. Yeah, all right. Of course I will. <laughs> so we're on a uh, vehicle checkpoint in Kandahar, and we were briefed before we went out 
make sure you watch out for mopeds especially or motorbikes because they've been putting ieds on them and they'll drive into your checkpoint and detonate everybody drives one of them by the way um but so i would lead search um person if you like so i was at the front of the um the vehicle checkpoint i see this um (laughs) moped coming along so i'm like fucking here we go put my hand up stop like nothing nothing at all it's like fucking hell stop like again nothing i'm like fuck pulled my pistol out like aiming at him stop still nothing and then i was like fucking hell copped it i'm like i'm, I'm gonna have to do it in a sec still coming fucking hearts racing mate fucking going mm. t- fucking 12 to the dozen whatever the fucking saying is next thing i I fire into captured ground. The fucking dusk flies up. My top cover then pops a mini flare, which is red, that pops up as well. To be fair, he probably should have fired that first. But I was flapping a little bit. Next thing I know, this fucking bloke has got his arms in the air like Mm. he's in fucking Team America doing this shit. He's stopping with his feet like he's in the fucking Flintstones. Like that. Slides up. I'm still fucking flapping. I approach like approach him fucking got my pistol up got the interpreter and i'm like tell tell him fucking stop put his hands up bloke's there fucking laughing at me with his fucking hands up like this i'm like jesus christ i'm getting closer the man's about 90 years old i say to the interpreter i went ask him why he didn't stop he why didn't he stop and he's like his fucking brakes didn't work I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, um, you illustrate with the story, you know, like, I think, um, the kind of the shadow world, I kind of find myself existing in like half with the kind of military tribe and half with the civilian tribe in that kind of, I'm laughing, but I'm also going, Oh my God, Jesus. You know, how, how, would I, how would I respond if that was me? What would I do? How would that kind of, but, you know, it, it's, um, I mean, one, it's pretty funny, you know, but, um, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? The kind of reluctance. The, you know what people outside kind of think the military is and stuff and, and the reluctance to shoot the reluctance to do yeah. that like you know it's like please don't make me do this and um you know i've experienced that a lot on police shifts you know and i'm kind of watching this going this is going to escalate please don't do this please don't yeah, do this yeah. and then it's, it's, in your face. it's crazy you so know when um so when you fired your uh, rifle or your pistol especially then you had to do a a, a shot rep so I'd have to go over the radio. I was the radio guy anyway. And mm. I'd go, <laughs> funnily enough, hello, Granite Zero. This is Granite One Zero Alpha. Um, shots fired. Then give the reasons why. Yeah. Then the person that did the, the shot would have to go to the command center and speak and say why he did it. Just, just in case, you know, insurance yeah. purposes, should we say. And I went and they went, I let them know exactly what we went through. Um, the escalation of force drills that we did, why I shot, blah, blah, blah. And the watch people went, you were banged to rights, mate. Why don't you shoot me in the head? It's like, I may have been wow. banged to rights, but that was a civilian that his brakes didn't stop. Like, wow. Plus, not a very good shot with my pistol, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not a great shot with the pistol, is it? but like, it's, 
and it's it is it's interesting isn't it the danger of kind of you know the psychologist in me is just like mm. you know you put someone in a in a position like that and over time you must really have to fight against the idea of us and them yeah yeah, you yeah. Know, and kind of you know because, well, and, and in a survival technique you know because you don't want to stop and have a debate you know like it's kind of and I've heard a similar story from an American Marine that ended a lot more tragically as a kind of a driver was coming towards him with a pregnant woman and he didn't stop because the woman was having birth and he ended up in massacring the whole thing and then went down and helped to deliver birth and it was horrible and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that line between us and them, it, it's, if that's not clear enough, can, can you do your job? Yeah. You know, can, you know, because there's, because there's still people, you know, like the German, the German Nazi thing, you know, it's like, we're all Nazis Germans. We're all Germans Nazis. Like, well, hang on, no, <laughs> they're yeah. just people. Yeah, exactly. They're, all, it's, they're it's... all just people. They've all got little baby daughters. They've all got families. They're all, you know, like it's and it and it's and that crazy sort of thing, kind of... as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the Nazis obviously thought they were the good guys, so they thought we were the bad guys. So, yeah. And it's and it's in you can make the big we're gonna get we're gonna get big now gonna get all uh, <laughs> super philosophical super philosophical but like yeah to me I think the um yeah the kind of the ideological and the sociological constructs around around what's going on with society and kind of will impact on what's happening and I think what's so dangerous now is we find ourselves in modern society and I keep kind of coming back to this is I think the military transitioning back into modern society have never had it so tough I think oh, it's I never so. been more more difficult and it's something that I've got active research people in and doing and yeah, paying yeah. for because I kind of like I think this it's such an under-researched element I think we're kind of looking at the PTSD and all that there's, kind of there's stuff, so many like, things mate that's what you train for isn't it yeah you know there's, there's so like, many things that with 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 people transitioning from being in the military to coming out um, I think I meant. I can't remember if I mentioned on the last podcast or a previous one, but I'm going to say it again because it does need to be looked at. Um, when you go through your resettlement, you've got somebody else who is serving, doing your resettlement. What the fuck do they know about be, being a civilian? <laughs> They're fucking. Yeah. So I get someone in. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's crazy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we we have gone on an absolute Tomo's tangent here, which I love. Sorry. Yeah. Back, yeah, back to the tangent. course. Um, so <laughs> anyway, yeah, fun. Lego. Let's do Lego. Let's do, let's talk Lego. I'll explain, um, I'll explain Legacy as players. For, 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 for those uh, that are listening and do follow the Instagram, I will put my, my Lego pieces up on my Instagram so you guys can see them, so you can... I'll, I'll I'll explain yeah. them as well. <laughs> um, yeah, otherwise, yeah. you'll be it's, like, "What um... the fuck are these two talking about?" Lego. <laughs> you are these clowns. What is this? So, I'll, right, I preface this with um, picture the scene, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm in North Carolina, talking to a kind of the sheriff of sheriffs. Okay, which always sounds pretty funny to British people, but like he he was the toughest, grittiest kind of whatever. He walked in, took one look at this bunch of Lego on the table turn around and walked out and like I had to go and grab him to pull him back in for this this five hour pitch that I kind of prepared and sweat a blow over and he was like what is this bullshit god damn I <laughs> listen to play with fucking Lego oh my Legos Legos, Legos. oh my god I'm gonna play with my damn Legos um, <laughs> 
And um, by the end of it, he said, um, take my personal cell phone number and anyone who's got a problem with Lego, call me. So if you've got a problem with Lego, then this is what it is. But anyway, so this Lego series play isn't, isn't Lego. It's not like building a Star Wars figure. Um, it's, a, it's a method that kind of came up at, um, out of Denmark, you know, and looking at, uh, was used at Rice University, Harvard University, and is the idea of building through metaphor. So you don't have an instruction booklet and you kind of build the Millennium Falcon and that's great, it's all gray bricks. You know, you start by kind of saying, you know, right, can you build a duck? And you're like, what? And everyone kind of builds a duck and you've got, we had like whatever it was, 15 people. And you look around, there are 15 different ducks with 15 different setups and 15 different colors and 15 different things. And there's weird, there's like a propeller on one of them. And you're like, what is that? What's that about? You know, and then someone built a little a little bridge and they thought that you meant duck underneath a bridge, you know? And so normally in normal teaching and learning and normal training courses, you go, well, no, that's wrong. And this is right. And this is the right way to build a duck, a yellow with the bill and the water. And yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. I Everybody think, well, goes for yellow. It's like, unless it's a duckling, yeah. they're not yellow. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is true. Um, and so what I found was, was really exciting about it. And I got, you know, kind of turned on to it in uh, when I was doing university lecturing was like, it lets people build, particularly introverts, just build what they think and then describe the model, not what's going on for them. And so when I kind of merged this with inner armor and stuff, it was, it was just a match made in heaven because you were asking people, right, build me the toughest thing you've ever been through and the positive thing that you took from it. And people would take elephants and tigers and then, a, a, you know, a Lego wheel and a net and put the net with a luminous brick. And it looks, you know, to the outside like a mess. You're like, well, what is this? You know, it doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, there's rules around it. So you've got to ask, you can't kind of, you can't be horrible about the model for starters. Um, and you can ask questions about the model, but you've got to be incredibly gentle. Um, and I've had it before where kind of Marines have kind of got up and nearly got into fist fights because someone's, thinks they're joking and has flipped a, a brick off somebody else's lego and they've been like that was my dead grandma what the fuck do you think you're doing <laughs> you do that again and i'll deck you you know and it's people building their their inner world and um it, it's been incredible it's been absolutely incredible and you it's it's beginning to catch on a bit i think in the positive psychology world and the well-being kind of consultant world um but as far as i know i don't know anyone who's using it in such um extreme almost psychological environments um and there's skeleton you know like you said there's skeletons and there's there's dark stuff um oh, you and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna ask you in a minute you know if you want to share a bit of it but um I'll tell us a bit of the story about it but i think we've kind of we've overcomplicated i think um psychology and training and you know learning and education and all this kind of stuff and actually it's about stories it's about people and stories and identity and giving people the chance to kind of tell their story but to do it in a concise way and in a way that you kind of cut out the uh, worrying about what people think, the worrying about what, how it's going to land, the worry about your own insecurities. So people kind of tell the story in their raw form, which actually makes everyone else connect with it more, which is the all black thing about, you know, being vulnerable together and going through things together. Um, and it just, it unlocks people so deeply, you know, and they start finding their own solutions and then they kind of, you, rather than answering a question with a sentence or a vocal answer, being like, oh, what do you think about this? Well, I think this, blah, 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 blah. You know, and say, you know, all right, Tomo, you know, could you build me your answer to that? And I, I remember, I think I asked that to you, and after you went, you were like, yeah. And five minutes later, you're like, right, well, that's me. There's my daughters, there's this, that, and the other. This is what I've done. This is how I've gone. 
and then at the end, you know, we did that, you know, build me your inner armor journey from there to there. And I don't know, I think everybody bar two was in tears by the end of it. And that's not, and, it, and it's not a bad thing. Um, and it's not a scary thing, it's something you put off, but they had found so much, um, so much peace, so much peace and so much kind of good stuff, as well as learning how to do this 28 question tool. Um, you know, and it's, it's, I think it's not even necessarily just in our armor. I think we just, I've just paid attention to the rituals and the psychology and the kind of human behavior for the past, you know, how many thousands of years, you know, and even like, you know, like a lot of Inarama was in Australia, like indigenous Australia, you know, some big stuff happened to me there and like, you know, I listened to them and they've been around for 40,000 years and we're really arrogant, I think, as the British, like, it's going to be like, well, we've been here for 2,000 years and since Jesus and all this kind of stuff. Like those guys had trade routes 25,000 years ago to India yeah. on a canoe, you know, and they worked as a team and they knew a lot about how to kind of make things happen. And I think what's so powerful about about what we built or what I built and stuff and what I'm really proud of is it does tap into that ritualistic tribalism, men, women, whatever, where people do gel together and run together. And it just every course in every country we do, I'm more and more convinced if you stand on your own and try and build your own resilience, you're going to fail. Sooner or later, someone bigger, harder or something bigger, shitter, nastier, a more vicious cancer is going to fuck you. You know, like it's not, and you know, all the resilience in the world isn't going to help. What is going to help is the team around you who can spot things early on or the asteroid comes to hit the earth, you know, and build some kind of defense system by the time it hits, you know? Um, and, and yeah, and it makes me very unpopular and I take a lot of shit for it on a daily basis. <laughs> but I'm so, that that's the bit that I'll die for. That's the bit that I'm prepared to kind of, Put my life on the line for and that means sometimes being there to save and help others you know and i've only done it in a police capacity and i hope one day i get to do it in a military capacity and i don't quite know how it's going to work but um you know it's it's yeah it just breaks my heart that we kind of we leave our kind of these incredibly brave <laughs> resilient people really are resilient people you know, who've worked really hard and are really tough um on their own either digitally or metaphorically or you know, as a society, and I think we should, I think the civilian population should be ashamed in general of how we treat and how we look after our veterans and our police. Um, and I'm not having it, which is why I'm doing yeah, this. Yeah. And which There's is why... Brave, brave heart, call to yeah, war. Well, no, this is why <laughs> um, um, uh, I brought it up to um, the Air Commodore of the RAF Regiment, and I got him in, sent your, uh, your details yeah. to him. I was like, this is, we need this. And this is someone that's mm. left and is, or yeah, I still am. I'm still struggling through uh, PTSD and depression and anxiety. I'm still, I've got these tools now yeah. that I can use to help power through. Fucking, if I had that at the start, but to be fair, if I had that at the start, there may not have been Granite Zero. So swings and roundabouts. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I I wholeheartedly believe in this in this training, um, this coaching, whatever you want to call it, um, these tools. <laughs> um, but it is it is brilliant, and in fact, I'm going to look it up in a second while um, while we're talking. So um, I'll I'll scroll through while I'm talking. So 
one of the things that you asked me to do on the last podcast, uh, well, just before the podcast, I believe, actually, um, was I had to write a letter to the missus um, for why I'm grateful or proud or something for, for what she Gratitude did. Gratitude letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was yeah, yeah. Um, try and get her to write one back. I've just got to scroll through this before I find it. We text a lot. Oh, my God. You're going to read it out? You're yeah, I'm going to read it out. What a legend. Mate, that is brave. That's some brave stuff. Uh, I applaud you, dude. That's really good. Where are we? Mm. Just found the Lego, so we're not too far. Here we go. <laughs> so, I wrote Kate a letter. I'm not going to read out my letter because I haven't got it on me. I actually handwritten mine because I'm a legend. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it was basically um, what I love about uh, the missus, um, yeah, yeah. why she's fucking awesome. Like sticking by me for all my fucking dramas, problems and things like that. And I said to you on the end of day two, I believe, um, I was like, yeah, she's um, replied with her response to that. She said she's going to write it down. I don't think she has. Lazy. Um, but she, um, yeah, she texted it. So it starts off with, to my plus one. 12 years together, nine years married, two beautiful girls, and three houses later. We are still going strong, not without our troubles at times, but our strength and commitment to work through things together has always come first. You are the most loving, strong, funny, pain in the bum I've ever met. I adore you. The girls adore you. Just last night, Jess said to me that she is so lucky to have a daddy like you, to which Sophia very quickly agreed with, and they are 100% right. I even deep down don't mind your flaws, leaving the cupboards open, shoes next to the shoe cupboard, dirty washing on the floor, your stinky farts and your random pubes around the toilet. I wouldn't have you any other way. I hate when you say that you yeah. don't feel good enough because to me, that's nonsense. You are good enough and always will be. <clears throat> Excuse me. Love you, all the world and more. Forever and always, your plus one. So that that, wow. that was it. I fucking teared up a little bit then. Um, you got me going, dude. That's yeah, so that was uh, oh god. That was her wow, reply to me. Beautiful. So the the main thing you know, gone you from me was uh, my pride and and not feeling good enough. And now I can look back on that, and it's it's fucking brilliant. You know what I mean? Fucking hey, there, there's a first <laughs> for the Granite Zero podcast. <laughs> what are we doing? What, what did you do? Oh my goodness! Um, I think then this is the thing. I, I listened to um, Martin Seligman, who's the kind of the, the godfather professor of positive psychology, but also has done some very dark psychological stuff in the past. Um, and um, he was talking about resilience and how you know we want really resilient. He'd done a lot. He has done a lot of resilience work with the American Army. And I mean, like, I don't want to be that resilient. Like, I don't want to listen to something like that and not cry. 
yeah. you know, or get so awkward that I finish the conversation or get so awkward that I have to go and have 10 pints to kind of, because I can't deal with what, what you're saying because it's so nice. You know, it's like, it's, I think it's so old, isn't it? you know, like, there's nothing wrong with kind of crying. Well, obviously, but like, I think, you know, the, the preface for that uh, at the very beginning of the stuff is, you know, we say, are we writing our CV or our resume or are we writing our eulogy? Yeah, yeah. you know through our life and stuff and you've you've got so much in your life there like as you said you know to kind of to hear that to hear the bit about your daughters coming through your wife and kind of hearing that kind of being said um so my question to you as a kind of you know person, how did it feel when you first read it um it might sound a bit stupid but how did because you've just read it but like how does it feel when you reread it and do you reread oh, it and does I it do reread does it, it help when you yeah. reread it? um when i first read it um i was actually on my i'd literally just finished doing a bit of the coaching with um with one of the other guys i won't name him um mm. so i was already a bit of an emotional state should we say and then i got that <laughs> text message and i read it and i was literally walking luckily well, i say luckily it doesn't really matter um, I was walking on my own to Tesco to go grab a fucking bite to eat. And I was literally fucking, I was fighting them back. So I was like, I can't have random people seeing me fucking cry. So I was like, I don't mind these guys. <laughs> yeah, random yeah. people, fuck yeah, you. Yeah. It's like, I was fighting it. You know when you get that horrible lumpy throat and you're like, ooh. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then reread, like I do reread it because it is, it is one of the nicest things that she's, she's sent to me. She's, she's a loving woman anyway. Don't get me wrong. Like she's, she is a saint. She has put up with so much shit, and how mm. strong she is 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 unreal. And I do tell her that all the time that she is. Everybody thinks it's the man that's the rock in the relationship or the rock in the family. And I'm like, in our in our family, it's Kate. Um, she is she is wholeheartedly the 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 foundation to this family. Um, but anyway, j- yeah, just rereading it then, like. When I was coming to the end, I was like, "Oh, am I going to finish this?" <laughs> but yeah, it, it's one of those where it's that nice that it, it's happy tears. It's not sad tears, um, which is which is obviously a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's 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 it's, it's good. Like it's it's nice to read. It's sharp, isn't it? And, yeah, and the, the word I'm, I'm actually sharp. I'm actually really glad that you you suggested. You didn't tell me to do it. You suggested to do it, to write those things. Like when I gave it to, um, when I gave mine to the missus, I was like, just read that. You can read it whenever you want. I went, I've just wrote you something. But it was literally, as soon as we finished the podcast, I had that in my head. That I, I need to write this down. If I didn't write it down, I would have forgotten. Really? Did you do it straight away? Yeah, straight away. As soon as I went in the house, I wrote it down. Wow. And I went, you can read that in the morning or you can read it now. She was like, what is it? And I was like, it's just how I feel about you and how uh, amazing you are and how strong you've been for mm. the family and, and what have you. I went, but you do have your own homework to do. You've got to do me one at some point. And it just happened to be on the, on the fucking course that she sent it. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what has that done to me? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, I remember. It is, I remember. It is powerful roughly. stuff, and um, and I have yeah. taken it. I've taken it all on board. I feel like if I'm required, I could I could sit down and and do these 
Um, the 28 questions I could coach someone. I, I, I full heartedly believe I could do it. Um, but it's also come into sort of fruition when I, I, I did send you the, the sort of trailer clip. So I, I'm in the middle of, yeah. sort of making my little mini doc. I've yeah, it's good, I've got it's the cool. um, like I've got the, the basis sorted. I've sent it to my brother to get a, a bit of a, a bit of feedback. Um, obviously, certain things need editing, um, audio wise. Excuse me. But inner armor is mentioned quite a few times in it, and and the positive psychology and quality and, and, and how and how I'm using it to um, better myself. I did get a bit arrogant like i have mentioned before where i stopped i decided to stop my um antidepressants like a fucking idiot i did it cold turkey and then the other day i was literally so dizzy i was like this is horrible what the fuck is going on here and my missus like have you been taking yeah, your pills yeah, yeah. i was like no i don't need them anymore <laughs> um, <laughs> she was like no wonder you're oh, feeling shit. dizzy and anxious so i was like you got a good point there. yeah yeah um, so I've started to wean them off, but um, I got um, I got Jess, my my eldest, to have a little watch, just to see what she thought of it. And uh, mm. she watched the bit, and there's a bit in it where it talks about the time where I was at my lowest, and I mentioned it on the course. I've mentioned it on the podcast when I was on the on the floor in in the kitchen, and I was in tears, and she came and wiped my tears away. And said that daddy it's gonna yeah, be okay. Yeah. She heard she heard the bit where I don't mention that she came in and wiped my tears away, but those that have been on the been on the show, watched the show, listened and on the course, they would know. Um, but she went, Daddy, that was when I came in and, and told you it'd be okay, wasn't it? And she remembered doing it. Wow. And I was like, Yeah, it was. And she was like, You're okay now. I was like, Yeah, I'm okay, I'm getting there. I was like, I, I, I don't hide it from them anymore. Like I used to. And that's why I, I would get really snappy and, and what have you. But I, I, I fully believe now that I can't, I can't hide anything from them anyway. Like I, I was saying to, I was saying to the eldest Jess the, the other day, um, I could tell there's something not right with her because she's very much like me in that aspect where her feelings are in her face. <laughs> so it's like, there's something not right with you because your face <laughs> is telling me, I'm fine. You're not fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah. 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 She's, she is like the, the youngest, she, she does get it, but she's six. She's pottering through life willy nilly. But Jess, because she's now getting a bit That's older, that. she's nine. So she's learning more. And she's taking everything in. She knows when daddy's not right. And she'll, she'll sit there and ask me. She'll go, are you okay? It's like, yeah, I'm all right. Don't worry. I was like, I'll tell you if I wasn't. Um, but she is such a brilliant, sensitive soul that she would do anything for anyone. She's brilliant. Um, Sophia is exactly the same. Um, they're, they're literally the, like the lights of my life. Like if there's one thing that I would take into the darkness in the um, post-traumatic growth situation and, and what have you, that, mm -hmm. that they're my light. 
those, yeah. those two little nuggets that I have in that house. Um, they're, they're brilliant. And, you know, even tonight, literally, I was sat on the sofa. I was showing uh, the missus the, the almost finished mini doc. And Jess picked up a few little comments and she went, Daddy, what's, what's PTSD? And I went, oh, it's... Wow. There's a question for you. Yeah, yeah. What I went, you that, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. And she was like, what is it, though? I went, well, people like Daddy, when they go away, sometimes they see or hear or do things that causes a lot of stress. Whether it, and usually it comes from a trauma situation. She's like, what's a trauma? And I was like, oh, it's like, for example, <laughs> someone's leg might have been blown off. Like, I'm not going to hide it from him. She knows that I've got a very close friend that wow. had his legs blown off. She knows she's heard of Robbo. And um, she's like, oh, that incident. She knows. And she's like, oh, right. <laughs> she's like, okay, what's, what's on telly? It's like, Jesus Christ. They just take it all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're, think, they're brilliant. Think, they, they really yeah. are brilliant. And I love the fact that they ask. They don't, they don't do an owl and say, can I ask you a question? They, they just go. <laughs> <laughs> just jump in. Just jump in straight away. Just boom. Yeah, dude, I, I want to highlight your kind of dad skills. I think, um, you know, in my 20s and stuff and kind of being a teenage mutant ninja teacher, like, and interacting with a lot of families in uh, very rough areas. Um, there was a lot of lying to kids, trying to keep kids happy and trying to yeah, kind of, yeah. no, daddy hasn't got an out. No, daddy isn't an alcoholic. No, daddy isn't, you know, sexually abusing you. No, daddy isn't this kind of really shitty, horrible stuff. Um, and I think, you know, back to something, I think we're kind of hardwired to accept that, you know, we're kind of hardwired that as oh, human beings are born into a kind of chaotic world, yeah, and, you know, and we're, and we're ready for it. And our parents protect us, but yes. we've, I think we've lost that ability. At, I think, at through, the, um, yeah. It is, it is that you've got it there. Um, Cause I, I used to have it from my, my parents. They're, they're there to protect us. They, they don't need to sh like my dad. Very, 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 even now he struggles with it, but he very rarely shows any sign of emotion or weakness unless it's anger when he's shouting yeah. at me or like laughter, happiness. That's sort of <laughs> But yeah. even at like, I can, I, I even bring it down to like things like funerals and things you never see like he is stern mm. he will sit there i will not i will not show my bloody boys emotion yeah and there's only a few times that i've yep. seen him actually cry um and there's only a few times that i've had to sit stand there and go dad it, it's all right mate i won't go into yeah. those details on this because <laughs> yeah. it's not fair um Never is. but yeah uh, it's not it I, I would, but I don't think my dad would like that sort of thing. Um, so I won't. But, no, no, no. It's got his um, permission. Yeah. Permission. Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah, he was always like that. So now I'm like, I don't want to, I don't, if, I, if I'm like, <laughs> the contrast, for example, um, I hope he doesn't mind me saying it. I'm sure he won't. But Kate's dad, um, my, my father-in-law, he he does show emotion. Like even at our, even at our wedding, he, he was crying with happiness. Like we had a moment at the bar, we're drinking whiskey with him. He doesn't even drink whiskey. That's probably why he was crying. 
but <laughs> he, he was, it was one of those yeah, like totally. you need to, like look at this is like the passing of the torch you need to look after my daughter sort of thing like yeah that's nice i don't know if it's because my dad had boys i'm sure he'd be a blubbering mess if he had girls he's terrible with um with his granddaughters um but yeah it's like it's like I meant I brought it up with um with I had Mark Ormrod on the show. You might have heard of him, the triple amputee from Yes, I have. I, have I had him on the show the yesterday. Legend. And yeah. we were we were saying how because he's the same. He won't hide if he if he's having a down day or if he was having suicidal thoughts, like he mentioned in his um his documentary that he's got, he doesn't shy away from saying it. He will say it. He can't let his kids, his family know, or, or other people think that he's superhuman because he's not. He's a man at the end of the day. Um, but he, he was saying, like, it's back to this resilience thing, isn't it? Yeah, it really he is. was it's saying that thing, you know? he was always brought up, and the same with me being like military. You you can't show those emotions. You're you're a military guy. You're like for him, he was a Royal Marine. I'm a Royal Air Force Regiment gunner. You can't show these things. It's like fuck off. Why not? doesn't make me any less of a man um and it and it goes on to the other points that you were saying about um the transition from military life into being a veteran and and a, a well a veteran civilian should we say yes and we were we were saying this yesterday and it was when you think of a veteran you think of for example colonel tom or Captain Tom, yeah. Now Colonel, for those that don't realise he's promoted and keep calling him Captain, but he was promoted. Um, Colonel Tom, that you 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 think veteran, you think old old chap, blazer, medals, regiment tie. Yeah. You don't think Tomo, veteran, jacket, medals, tie, that sort of thing. You don't think that unless it's remembrance. Yeah, yeah. However, the times are now changing because there aren't, like, we haven't got Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, those wars going on now. It is now like a, like a cool thing to be a veteran. You've got veteran-owned companies. You've got veteran podcasts. You've got, yeah. it's now yeah. becoming a, a, a thing that people are like, oh, is that, is that a veteran-owned company? Yeah, and now they're all gathering together. And like you said, the community, mm. the band of brothers are still there. It doesn't matter what cat badge you are. People are now coming back together. Yeah, it's really good. And and it, I mention it in, in the new mini doc. I, I talk about yeah. my lack of pride, but I always have, when it comes to Remembrance Weekend, I, my pride seems to be uplifted, whether it's me posting pictures of me in my uniform before or on the actual day, putting on my squadron blazer, putting on my regiment tie, putting my medals on. And my daughter is looking at me going, you've got your medals on and like having mm. smiles on their face. My missus looking at me going, you look smart in that and little things like that. And you're like, <laughs> this, this is good. Putting on my fucking beret. Yeah, I've yeah, still yeah. got my beret. Put my beret on. Yeah, yeah. It'd be all right for you because you ain't got any hair, so you can just put it on. But I have to do my hair, <laughs> put my beret on, and go, ah, 
<laughs> Got to take some fucking wax with me as well for when I take my hat off. <laughs> of course, of course. You got to look, look fresh. I've just, um, I've just sent you on, um, on WhatsApp. I really want you to pull it on, um, see you put it on a link to this. There's two videos. One is, um, you might have seen it, the old soldier talks to the young soldier. Um, yes. If you haven't, you'll right, right, it, wait, right? wait, 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 wait. Yeah, that yeah. is Steve Nichols, right? He's been on the show. What a legend. He has Brilliant. got something that I have talked about loads. He has created, he's got a, a uh, veteran-owned uh, sports apparel company called Right Flank, who actually support the podcast. In their own way. Even better. There you go. However, he has now created the Right Flank Support Group, which is for anybody that is a veteran, civilian, whoever, dealing with mental health issues that are struggling. They can go onto the support group and go, I'm struggling. And then all the people that are in that group will then come and talk. That's good. Steve Nichols is fucking brilliant. He's a friend of the show, been on the show. And I mentioned you to him about... um, how I'd just been on the course and wow. he was like, that is brilliant. Why have we not had that before? And he is somebody that has suffered awesome. drastically from PTSD to the point where he tried to commit suicide. And he said mm. he would have benefited so much from inner armor. Wow. I'll speak to him. I'll speak to him and uh, see if he doesn't mind me giving you his details and you guys can have a, have a chat. He's got his own podcast as well. The veteran opinion. Of yeah, it. yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, but, but, um, you might have already heard it, people who are listening to stuff, but I, I, but yeah, that, the, the, those Maybe chats with him and the old, in the old boy. Oh. In it, yeah. And the follow up. The follow up was really got, good as well. Got, he was supposed to mention my yeah. podcast on the follow up, he never did. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't, you didn't cross his palm with silver enough, man. Like, no, nah, he's good. But he's no, good but guy. I think, what what hit for me was when um, he was answering a comment. I mean, YouTube comments are just ridiculous anyway. Like, you know, it's if you've got something to say, say it's someone's face. Yeah. You know, even if that is by email, but like, don't just anonymously hide behind someone and say something. Anyway, um, and one of the comments was, you know, you don't see the old guy complaining about mental health, you know, and, you know, he, why do you have to talk about it all the time? And then he just, quick as a flash, he's straight like, he's like, yeah, he said he couldn't talk about it at all for 40 years. He was imprisoned in that head, not able to, to find the words, find the people, find the nothing to kind of talk about. Didn't know about how it. to. You know? Didn't know and how to. And, and when didn't that, want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't. And like, and, and the, the, um, there's a massive crisis that's gonna get super passionate now, right? So like, <laughs> um, I got really interested in, um, like uh, Auschwitz and the death camps and yeah, stuff yeah. when I was like, um, you know, what end of school and then going into uni and stuff. I was like, how, how did that happen? What, like from a psychological point of view, how can, how can you think that's okay? How, how can that kind of go for? Um, and all this kind of stuff and whatever. And um, then I found out to my horror that um, my dad's mum was an au pair in Germany, British woman, was an au pair in Germany. And she'd already told, she told us I got out before it got really nasty. And I worked for a really rich German family and you know, it was all horrible and I got out and whatever. And after she died, we found out that she worked for one of the top ranking Nazis and actually was, had saluted and all the rest of it. And I was gutted. I was like, that's so shameful. Oh my God, oh my God. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, hang on a second. What would I have done in that situation? 
Like, and yeah. it was either you get out and you do that, or you get shot and they come in and they burn your house and take your stuff away. Um, and they're kind of, this is a kind of building up to, people are forgetting what Auschwitz was. Like, when I, even when I left Lincoln, that's like 10 years ago and stuff, you'd say to some teenagers, what's Auschwitz? And they'd say, oh, is that a band? Yeah. And you're like, and, it's, and that's happening because people stopped talking about it because it was too difficult to talk about. You know, and, ne- and never mind some history lessons, nice little polished history lesson where you have a little worksheet on Auschwitz and you've got to f- fill in the questions of how many Jews died. I'm talking real sitting there and understanding it and talking about it and going, you know, this is this is this could happen again and is happening again in far off flung places of the world right now. Yeah. You know, and if we take our eye off the ball here, you know, we're going to similar things are going to happen. And it just that, you know, your man saying to the old, you know, about the older guy and saying, look, you didn't talk about it for this long. You know, it's not a criticism of the older guy. And it's certainly not a criticism from a civilian to kind of that stuff. You know, I don't think, I don't know what I would do. But what I do know is, you know, what the research tell us and all the academia tells us is like, you slowly have to bring that crap out of the unconscious. And it is slow, yeah, it is gentle, and it is, you know, kind of whatever. But the best people to do that, I think, are other veterans. Yeah, I don't think it's clinicians. I think you know, because to, to, to people can't afford it. It's not. There's no, you know, understanding. You know, I wouldn't understand kind of whatever. Um, but it just seems like such a no-brainer. I'm like, why don't we just upskill the entire veteran community with kind of, we're one form of coaching. I think it's a very good form of coaching, but I hope it it breaks the mold and it starts getting people to think about. Look the veteran community it's great that they're all meeting and talking and supporting and stuff but like we saw with you know the lieutenant colonel that was his problem i'm sure you know he won't mind me talking about it but um he talked about it on film youtube excuse me um and he was saying his mobile phone was killing him yeah because he was he was inundated with calls of veterans standing on bridges about to jump and he said if i don't take this call one of my brothers is going to jump and he's going to die you know and and I think that pressure, like you said about, is it Steve? The guy's name is Steve, isn't it? Steve, yeah, Steve Nichols, yeah. Yeah, Steve. Um, you know, Steve, like creating that support group, that support group, just like you, you've, you've done a full day's work today and now you're sitting there with me doing this because you care and you're so passionate about it. And I'm like, that's, to me, I mean, it's, it's great for my podcast with you and I, I get that point of view, but like the idea that you're on call your shift never ends. Your service never ends, you know? So like, but now you're not being paid for it. Now you're not being thanked for it. Now you're not even being recognized for it, you know? And, it's, and nobody wants thanks. Like when I said, you know, I'm sitting, you know, with <laughs> depending on either 15 train killers or 15 heroes, depending on kind of your, your viewpoint. But um, yeah. and I said, look, you know, would you consider yourselves heroes? And the, the room went silent. And I remember saying, it was like, because if you don't, then what is? You know, the guy that kind of took the call on 7-7 and protected the City of London Police. You know, that many of you that have kept us all safe from horrors that, you know, we will never have to experience, you know? <laughs> and like, it's, it, it's yeah, crazy. The, the, the guy you mentioned, the... Uh... <laughs> the fucking... Captain Evil. Oh, <laughs> so is he the scariest man you've ever met or...? Yes. Mate. Yes, um, if he wasn't a copper, definitely a serial killer. Just saying. Oh, oh my God, he's terrifying. The way he was like, you were, you were doing the, the coaching with him and the way he was answering the questions, I don't, 
it's not so much what he was saying. It was the tone in his voice, how calm he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, you have done and seen some shit. And you've got that shit locked down. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, um, that was one of, one of the most intense I think I've ever done. Yeah. Um, Intense coaching sessions. Yeah. It's the way he was like, we're we're going past the doors, but we're going to leave those ones locked. It's like, oh. (laughs) What's what's in those doors? Exactly. Exactly. You're like, no, no, no. Come on, come on. Forget the course. Let's just, let's just play. Come on, let's let's go and find him. Um, Let's open him up. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it just, I mean, I'm, I'm in such a privileged position. I found myself in this incredibly exciting world like this shadow world where i get to go and kind of play with these and that, that's a bit disrespectful not play but heal heal and help and play and, he then, and spend time with these it really is yeah the these heroes and stuff like yeah 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 I'll, I'll, um, even, I'll, I'll talk through uh my bit of my my end piece of lego how about that that's the best one to talk about yes so go on. Yeah, i yeah. will put the picture up on on instagram and Facebook and, and, and Twitter of this drawing. So it starts off with uh, little Lego me with the hat on. He's got his mobile phone in his hand and he's got a skeleton on his shoulder, which is basically my um, mm. my inner demons, we could say, trying to hold me back. And there's a black wall that's sort of blocking my path. And then we've got little Lego Al on top of the uh, on top of the wall with a little toolbox, <laughs> and he's ba- he's given like a handover to try and get me over the the wall. Uh, and then it comes down the wall, and then it's got a few more little Lego figures, which represents the guys on the course that have caught me as I've sort of gone over the over the wall. And that was like a metaphor yeah. for me, sort of getting over the hump. I'm not using my phone as much. My phone was in my pocket. I'm not looking at it. I'm yeah. actually interacting with with the rest of the with the course. And in fact, one of uh, one of the other members of the course, after I opened up on one of the um, on one of the sessions, after I sort of broke down and cried a little bit and, and got a lot off my chest. He actually walked past me, didn't say a word. All he did was literally squeeze my shoulder as if to say, don't worry, we got you. And that was a, that was a huge, huge point for me. And then as it goes on, the skeleton is like basically at the bottom of the stairs, which is significant to say that it's still there, but I'm going up the stairs and I've got the Lego characters around me saying that I have got a support group if I do fall yeah. and then there's another ladder and then at the top is like a like a treasure chest as it were which just shows that I'm on my journey I, I'm not I'm by no means I'm not there yet but I'm on my way and that that was my journey literally from from the start of the course very in my shell very introverted didn't want to go off my phone didn't want to interact to then the next day I was interacting, I was getting things off my chest. So the coming up to the final day, actually speaking about that, that model and, and how I've, how even, even little things like I was butting in on some of the fucking extroverts that wouldn't shut the fuck up 
I was going, no, it's my fucking time. <laughs> you fucking listen to me. Yeah, yeah I remember, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, and it was a fucking hell of a journey. Like I said, it, it felt like longer than two, two, three days. It felt longer. But by the end of it, I was... It was like a weight had been lifted as well. It was like, it's no longer just on me. It's, awesome. it's, it's now I can, I'm happy enough to share it with, yeah, I, I've mentioned little bits before on the podcast, not everything, but it's like, I'm now comfortable with sharing yeah. fucking everything if I want to. I, there's, there's no, there's, it's, I've always been, I've always been raw and unedited on the show. And now it's like, even more so, and it and it, it was a fucking great feeling just to come back. But yeah. not only personally for me to get it off my chest and, and feel good, but I now can help other people more by having that little yeah. inner armor license, as it were, to come part of my bat belt, my utility belt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> bat belt. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's it's nuts, isn't it? You think that it's twenty eight questions. That's what it is. It's just twenty eight questions. And I think the um, but the amount the of power that, of when you gave me the list of the, of the twenty eight questions, when you got given the bit of paper with all the twenty eight questions, the the different scenarios that could happen on each one, which sort of thing that you could use, the amount of people that were popping in my head that I was like, they they could benefit from this, they could deal with this. Yeah. I know somebody that could pass on to someone else, which I'll mention in a second. My best mate, Nick, I spoke to him on the phone the other day, FaceTiming. He was actually getting a bit worked up. He was like, mate, I'm so sorry that I haven't been there. It's like, no, it's life. I went, you're a paramedic. It's life. Things, you've got your job. I've got my yeah. job. We live opposite sides of the country. He lives in Plymouth. I live in Kent. I went, it happens. He went, yeah, but I should be better. I went, don't worry about it. I went, I'm always there if you need a call. And I know that if I really needed you, you would answer. It's not a problem. I went, however, I also know that you're struggling a lot with, um, with work, being a paramedic. And I was like, especially all of your lot in the paramedic thing. I went, you would benefit from the inner armor coaching. And he was like, what's that? So I explained it and he went, that's fucking brilliant. Why is that not in? Why is that not in? And I was like, I don't fucking know. He's working on it. I was working on it. I'm yeah. on it. I'm on it. I'm, 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 I'm yeah. networking for Al. <laughs> yeah, man. Evidence, just pure academic evidence. Oh, so close to getting it as well. Like, good. Good. Um, it's fucking beyond brilliant. Really is. That's that's awesome, man. That's so so good to hear. Um, and yeah, it's and. I had this conversation yesterday. Um, it's kind of, it's very rare I guess, to do this. It should be like working with a bunch of teachers, um, you know, with the kind of COVID thing and our international stuff being paused a little bit. Um, and some of them were saying, you know, like, I'm really worried that I'm not, I'm not great at this 28 questions. I can't, I can't do it like you do. And I'm like, you're fucking right. You shouldn't, you know, you do this for years, you know, like it's, it's, you, it doesn't, you don't need to be a massive whiz at coaching. And they're kind of the people I look up to. And like, um, you know, the guy I'm going to highlight, I think, is um, Christian Van Nuremberg, like Professor Christian Van Nuremberg. Like, he's one of the best coaches I've ever seen and can pull things out of you that, like, you never, you never even conceived or put into language, let alone thought before, and, and fix them. And you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. 
Um, but you don't need to be like, it's just, if just, for example, just this podcast, someone listening to a conversation can potentially save someone's life. Like to have kind of something that's a bit stronger and a bit, just a bit more powerful, but also safe and also is informed and has a little bit of academic evidence behind it, you know, and can make such a difference. You know, you can, and you can do it, you know, you kind of come and learn and kind of sort it out and then go, go help it. And it's this beautiful cycle that will just keep going. Like you say, you know, for the next 50 years, you know, like my vision is everyone, everybody's doing it. You know, you kind of get it free at the point of delivery to everyone in military and police, you know? Um, and if we can employ a whole bunch of people as trainers on the way in military and police, then I'm, I'll be super happy. Um, you know, but it's, yeah, it's time for kind of, I think positive psychology to kind of just get off the shelf a little bit and start applying itself to the tough stuff. Um, but yeah, it means loads. Thank you for what you said, because that's, that's incredibly powerful to hear. It's good stuff. Well, of course it's incredibly powerful. So fucking any listener that is listening, <laughs> fucking innerarmor.org, check them out. Yeah, man. Yeah. Brilliant. No, totally. Thank you. No, it's been awesome. And just, yeah, I kind of said today on LinkedIn, you know, don't normally do podcasts and stuff. And like, this has been, it's so raw in, in a really good way, you know, and kind of just, you know, I hope people benefit from it and kind of, you know, just know like you're not on your own, you know, like, and actually the problems are all pretty similar and they bubble down to hopelessness and loneliness and kind of, it seems to me that the veteran community is struggling with similar stuff and which is really positive as crap as that sounds because if if there's a commonality there if we band together we can fix it yeah you know if we kind of pull together and find a way and actually maybe let's shift the idea that the problem isn't the ptsd out there in the sand and stuff whatever and i'm generalizing a bit i know for some people it is or whatever but maybe the problem is modern society maybe the problem is coming back yeah i think it's a great I think you've um yeah. hit the nail on the head there um I remember reading somewhere from another lad that I, I served with and, and a lot of veterans go straight to PTSD if they're feeling a bit low, like, oh, I've been, I've been out in the desert. It's definitely PTSD. A lot of them self-diagnose. Several Marines have said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah several Marines have said that. There's, there's so a they, whole, so they, 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 they self-diagnose without, without going to the doctor or, or going to therapy yeah. or anything like that, where quite often it's actually just i say just simply put it is literally you're feeling low and you've got the stages of depression coming in it might not be ptsd it might be don't get me wrong but it might just be you are fucking feeling shit because you've literally just left your life you've left the marines you've left the paras you've left the rat reds you've left the fucking navy and you've now no longer yeah, got yeah, whatever it is. no longer got this that's how that's how i discovered my problems was the fact that i was like why am i feeling this shit hmm. and it was oh it's because i've got i want i still want to be in the military but i'm not yeah that that was it's my the main problem thing in the world yeah yeah and then yeah. it wasn't until i went to therapy that she went you've including little things that I, I I'd seen and done when I was a, when I was a lad as well. And, and then things I saw and, and heard and, and had to deal with on tour that she went, you've probably got 
some PTSD going on as well. It's like, well, that makes sense. When when I literally yeah. went through like the the symptoms, like I didn't sleep very well. I was having a few nightmares. I suffer with the sleep paralysis, which is a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> I was very short tempered. My mood would literally go from happy, positive me to like the kids would drop a fucking cup on the floor and it would be instant like that. I was furious red mist. And the missus would be like, what's yeah. the matter with you? They literally dropped a cup. They're three years old. You're like, and then I'd have yeah. to take myself away because it's like, what the fuck? Why am I yelling? <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. craziness. And, and, and it wasn't so much that I was angry. It was very... Is it's though I couldn't control it. It's like the fucking Hulk, mate. <laughs> couldn't control it. I've heard, I've heard it called that before. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's what that's what yeah. I've got. Mister Angry from uh, Inside Out <laughs> from the fucking Disney fuck thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great film. Um... <laughs> he he literally is on the controls for me. Or he was. Yeah, it's a pro it's a process, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. That's good. That, yeah, he was. But it's a process, that, and they've all got you know all those kind of emotions and stuff have got value. Getting angry with the right person at the right time in the right amount is is important. Um, you know, but I just I applaud your openness. I think your openness and I think your ability to kind of your braveness, braveness, that word, um, your bravery to kind of talk to your daughter. Exactly. Yeah, and um, to talk to your daughters about it and to kind of in a way they can understand I think that's going to pay dividends like as they grow up into teenagers um have you seen the social dilemma yet on netflix no right you everyone who's listening whatever if you haven't seen it the social dilemma is talking about basically the the machines behind what we've been talking about what so why is modern society so isolating and so lonely and it talks about the billions of pounds pumped into tech um, psychologists, tech companies that are designed to keep you on your phone and how they keep you on your phone and how they build a voodoo you and they kind of and then it grabs your attention and pulls you in and makes you sick you know basically uh, but it's it's a phenomenal piece of filmmaking never seen anything Watch quite that. as powerful so I'll tell you what is um, so yes what is awesome so you've mentioned that the only time I've looked at my phone was obviously to read the thing from me from your missus and then obviously you've texted me a couple mm -hmm. of times i think so it it glowed a little bit yeah, so my my peripheral years. went i haven't touched my phone since i've been in the shed and how long it's been like what an hour and Any two hours yeah, two hours. There you it's, go. it's like and i've i've wait, wait, wait. I've, Sorry, I've literally done exactly what you told me to do as well. Is like the the quality time with the missus. So mm -hmm. when I go when I go in when I get home, the odd time I'll have it with me just because it's like she'll be watching Towie or something. And it's like, oh, I'll just have a little, <laughs> I'll have a scroll through. I'll have a little check at the chicks. Yeah, they're all right. I'll keep scrolling. Um, but just recently, like she's gone. You. have you've turned your phone off or you've left your phone upstairs. It's like, well, yeah, we're, it's like, we might be watching the telly, but I'm literally like, usually 
every now and then I'll sit, I'll, well, most of the time I sit on, on one sofa, she sits on the other. And then later on in the evening, she'll go, oh, are you going to come over and give me some attention? Like, or because she's still got an inner child, are you going to give me some tickles? Like, fuck's sake, you know what? <laughs> but like, literally, like tonight, when I showed her the, uh, the first draft of the mini doc, I was like, I sat next to her and I, she had her legs on me and things like that. It's like, I don't normally like, I like a bit of space because I'm a man. I like the mm. space. I was like, no, I need to, <laughs> I, I need to, um, I need to show her a bit more attention to show that she is my wife still, if that makes sense. That's amazing. So Yeah, dude, I think not only does it make sense to me, I think it's a relationship killer. I think people kind of, you, you and it's one of the reasons why it's so worth watching this, you know, social dilemma thing, but like, yeah, it, it destroys relationships. You know, I remember watching Pamela Anderson, Pamela Anderson, you know, kind of like, you know, we, we grew up on watching in Baywatch and she was saying about her partner, she was getting really depressed because her partner was looking at his phone and doing things to other women over his phone. Pamela Anderson, like, oh my God. You know, and it's, it's not, it, we, it makes us think that it's us and we're too fat, too thin, too unattractive, yeah, yeah. too not attractive, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, human relationships, particularly in the context of the pandemic and, you know, unemployment and the tough stuff that's coming, we've never needed each other more as friends, husbands, wives, yeah. whatever. I think we're long overdue to phones down a little bit and light a candle and, you know, I love candles and all over it. Biggest girl. Oh, yeah, um, you're wrong with my missus. She fucking you know. <laughs> But yeah, you know, having those conversations because you never know when you're going to run out of time. You know, like, and I think if you kind of if you live your life thinking like I'm gonna die at the end of this week, that's probably my if I don't do advice. Like if I did, I'd probably say that. So if you've got one week left, what would you do? And go do it within reason, you know. But like, you know, is there something you want to eat? Is there something you want to you know cook together? Or like, yeah, tell the person you love them, or write them a gratitude letter, or all this kind of good stuff that positive psychology teaches us. And stuff. Um, that we never make time for because we're too busy fixing problems or we're too busy looking for the next negative. It's like, it's not going to get any better. You know, like yeah. it's kind of, it, and ironically, when you start, like you say, when you start being really grateful and you start writing gratitude letters and you stop looking at your phone, actually, life does get better, a lot better. And then bizarrely, that will eventually turn into the perfect job you want and the perfect amount of money you want and all that kind of stuff because you, you, your whole trajectory has changed. You're kind of looking at what's right with the world and how you can use your strengths better and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but yeah, good times. I've really did to do like thank you so much for doing like two episodes. You know, I know we kind of suggested it and stuff, and I was like, two episodes so far. This, this isn't the end. Ah, oh, okay. You're you're, you're you're coming back on. <laughs> you're coming, coming back, back on. Ted, we could do one in. Like, I'm I'm talking to the states in 45 minutes about um. We've had it confirmed that we're going, we are going, or I am going. Um, we're just, it's just a case of when. So that's really exciting. The Department of Justice has confirmed that. Um, but we should do one from America because I think America is, is a different ball game. And I think it is going to be a massively different ball game after the election, um, okay. whatever way it goes. Um, and they're hurting, I think, a lot in, in perhaps a different way than perhaps we're hurting. Um, and I don't know what I can do to help necessarily, but I know we're going to do something. So it's it's exciting to be kind of, you know, it feels like going on a military tour. It really does. Good, like I've been starting to think about, you know, 
Because the thing is, we always go and police shift. So I, I always kind of say, right, whatever team I'm going to go with, I'm going to go on a police shift. And I'm like, there's more like people that are getting shot on this in this context than there ever has been before. Yeah. And am I still going to do it or am I not? And I'm like, well, if I don't do it, am I a hypocrite? And then I'm like, well, if I do get shot, is that a waste? And, you know, all those kind of questions run around my head. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it'd be good to do it again. But it is, you are, you know, this podcast, I think, in particular, is such a beacon of hope, you know, to so many people and such a kind of the grittiness and the rawness and the documentary, I think, is a really good idea. Because I think when people find it and they want to know more about it, you know, you're a very likable dude. You're a very down-to-earth dude that kind of, I think, people really kind of resonate with. That's what I resonated with. So to have a documentary and kind of just understanding a bit more of your background and what's happening and that you're a dad and that you're a dad that is open and shares things and you kind of you're willing to do that. And, um, you know, I think you could, pro you could do a lot of it, I think. So, yeah, fully support you and anything I can do to help, then I'll do it. So... Happy days. Good, I, think, I think that's a perfect <laughs> fucking segue to end this amazing fucking episode on. And yeah. what a fucking episode. It's the first time in the history of Granite Zero that I've actually shed a tear on, on the show, which is always good. <laughs> you it's good, man. We've got, we got, we got a <laughs> reputation for that. No, you yeah. don't go kind of, yeah, letting us down. God. But, um. <laughs> thanks again, mate, for coming on. Honestly, I, I fucking wholeheartedly believe in everything you're doing is it is brilliant i'm not just saying it because i've done the course and, well no i am just saying it because i've done the course i'm not just saying it because you're on the show that's what i meant to say um it's fucking brilliant it really is and those of those that are serving in the military that are listening you need to plug plug inner armor to to your superiors and those that are superiors that do listen e.g Force Protection Wing, Air Commodore. <laughs> get it in. Get it done. Get amongst it. Yeah, yeah. But cheers for coming on, mate. Time. Anytime, buddy. Fucking legend. Hit the stop button. Troops. Now that was an epic podcast. Even if I do say so myself. <sighs> Simply put, he really knows what he's talking about. He's so passionate. He's so endearing with it. And you can't help but open yourself up to him. And it, it, it fucking really does work. Like, I am living proof that you know, I did, I went through the inner armor coaching and I am in a better place than I've ever been. And that's down to the inner armor coaching. <sighs> what an episode. Thanks guys for listening. Thanks to Al for coming on. Thanks to inner armor itself. And thanks to infusion CBD. I've been Tomo. This has been the Granite Zero podcast. And as they say in the regiment, per ardua. Through adversity, I'm out.